really excited about class today. It's going to be a good one. Um, I love any Sunday school where it's sort of a in-house um, presenter, so to speak. Uh, Rebecca is very much a part of the Modern Mystic family. She is a tarot reader at the store. So if you're looking for some guidance in this time, feel free to check that out. Um, I definitely have come to her many times for advice um, and some clarity. She's very good at what she does. So um, very excited to have her here because I get to work with her and know her well in that regard as a tarot reader. She also is very accomplished in the world of film. She's a writer, director, uh, lots of other things, uh, great at storytelling and helping other people share their stories. And that's definitely something you see come across in her tarot readings. Um, she really lays a story out for you. Um, but today we're here to talk about something different than film and different than tarot too. We're going to be talking about a concept that I feel, um, I got introduced to a while ago with you, Rebecca, when we were on that Zoom call, that collective process group together. Um, and I was so fascinated when she introduced, she introduced this idea of how to integrate the shadow self as a way to not create separation between parts of our personality um, and instead really reach wholeness and reach integration um, by using our triggers as a, as a pathway. And so it's gonna be a great class today. I'm very excited for it. If you would please put your hands together physically or virtually for Rebecca to join Sunday School. Thank you so much, Kirsten. It's a beautiful introduction. I appreciate that. And I am so honored to get to share this space. It has been a huge learning space for me, this resource of the Sunday School podcast and when we had our live meetings and to step into it is really an honor. I'm very, very pleased to be here. And at the same time, I also want to acknowledge my little bit of shadow, which is I'm a little nervous. And by saying that out loud, I have defused it a little bit. So that is just dipping a toe and walking my talk a little bit. So those of you that I can see, would y'all show me hands? Who's familiar with the concept of the shadow on some level? Great, great. So it's not totally new for everyone. I will treat it to a degree as if it is because we want to set our own definitions. Um, but that's great to hear that some of y'all are familiar, have been working with this, exploring this, this pathway for yourself. So to get us started, I like to do just a very simple collective breath. So I, I would ask you to join me in this to whatever degree you feel comfortable. So we're just going to do three breaths. First one, first two are just for you, so don't worry about what anybody else is doing. And with your first deep breath, I want you to focus on letting everything go outside of this present moment. Good, bad, doesn't matter. And with the second breath, I want you to bring yourself fully here, wherever that is for you, whether you're listening from the future <laughs> on the podcast or whether you're here with us now. Just go ahead and call back all those little bits of yourself that you might have left somewhere else. Bring all of you here. And now that we are all here with ourselves, 
Let's be here together. So please join me now in one more breath. Welcome. All right. So I want to set our collective intention for this practice right out of the gate. And my intention in both doing this work and in sharing it with you is I have a little cute rhyme here. I'm very excited about it to help us move from shame and blame to a process of name and claim. So if at any point in this work and you're listening to it and you're experimenting with it on your own, if you ever need something to bounce off against and that little part of your brain that says, am I doing this right, starts to speak up, know that you're on the right track if you're sitting in name and claim. All right. So I want to get us right into practice right away. So if you have something to write with, write on, doesn't have to be physical, you can do a phone note, but we're gonna do a little exercise. So get yourself, I'll give you a couple of seconds to, to gather your things. This is such a lovely group. I just have to say, it makes my heart happy to see all of you waking up on a Sunday morning to like, get it. Let's get into it. <laughs> I love it. it. Looks like most of us are settled now. So, and you can jump in if you need an extra second, no big deal. So I want you to take a moment and think about someone. You don't have to know them personally, um, but someone who brings up for you just deep positive feeling someone you admire someone you love someone you look up to it could be a celebrity it could be a pet anything anyone that really brings up strong positive regard in your heart take a second and really call that person to mind to your heart and when you've got that go ahead and write three words that describe what it is that you love about that person. Right, and you can continue to finish that up as you need to. We're gonna go next to something that feels a little less love and lighty, and it's okay. I want you to now call up someone who just drives you nuts. Someone that you have a really hard time feeling that positive regard for. And again, they don't have to be someone you know. You also don't have to go to like, your deepest, darkest wounds and your biggest triggers of all time here. Um, work within what feels right for you. But we are looking for that 
that activation, right? We want to be a little irritated. We want someone who just cheeses our grits, gets us all riled up, someone who really bugs you. And although it may be less comfortable to sit with that, I want you to sit with it. And again, try to find three words that describe what it is about them that is so off-putting, that just doesn't feel right to you. How could they do that? How could they be that way? Find those words now. And when you're done with that, go ahead and take yourself a big deep breath because I love all, <laughs> I notice whenever we do this, I watch everyone's face just shift. <laughs> so bring yourself back. You don't have to send special blessings to that person. You can if that feels right for you. But all we really want to do is just let that go now. Thank them on some level for bringing this up because they've just given you a great gift to work with. And goodbye, those figures. It's no longer about you. Okay, so let's put those lists aside for now. And we're going to dig into some of the teaching around it before we figure out how we work with these lists. So our first premise for today is we are all made of the same human stuff. That's big idea number one. So whatever is available to one human is on some level available to every human that's the stuff we are made out of and we share it and it is collective we don't all express it all in the same ways but we all have some seed of that potential within us it is in the template right it's in the toolkit so how do we choose, pick and choose what we become and identify with versus what seems like very clearly not us, right? Because we do have stuff that seems very clearly not us. I am not that, right? So through our life experiences, we learn and choose what we want to identify with. And in general, it is what we believe will keep us safe and what will get us love. This does not mean that we only identify with positive qualities, air quotes on positive, or that we disidentify from qualities that we view as quote negative. The shadow is not negative. It's not toxic, it's not bad. The shadow is simply in the dark. It is the not us portion. So just to concretize this and ground it a little bit, this means that even if you love singing, you went through the first however many years of your life singing up a storm, 
and then somebody that you thought was really cool and really valued their opinion told you you weren't a very good singer. Where do you think that singing goes? I'm not that. Now I identify as not a good singer, where I used to identify as a singer. So these things are fluid. Does that all make sense so far? You with me? This is the process. We bounce up against things. Often the shame and blame are the catalysts for things kind of sliding into the shadow in the first place. But we tend to identify with what keeps us safe, what gets us love, and what we choose not to identify with doesn't just get magically eliminated. It goes underground. It goes out of the light of conscious identification and into unconscious, which is the shadow. So that all, I'll dive in with what we know about shadow so far. Is this making sense? Any questions yet? Awesome, awesome. Let's keep going. So our next big premise is brains love binaries. Love them, love them, love them. This is both a way we're socialized, right? How early do we start learning new words and groups of opposites in pairs? And this is also just a function of our psychology, of the way that we learn to define the boundary of me and not me. So from that very basic binary, me, not me, we begin to extend binaries outward and outward. Every thing has its quote opposite, right? And we begin to deal in these binaries or polarities and they seem often very cut and dry, very, this is not this, this is not that. And they seem separate. What's interesting and what I wanna encourage us to all think about is that we can also look at any binary as a dialectic, as a line, a continuum, right? And that's kind of where we're moving in general with the shadow work today, is we're complicating the simplicity of a binary and extending it into, oh, what is the degree rather than the absolutes? Absolutes are a very comfortable place for brains and simultaneously binary, a very uncomfortable place, right? Because they introduce an automatic tension. So we're one up or one down, we're on the seesaw. Where I wanna encourage us to go is step off the seesaw, look at the playground. So long as we identify with one side of a binary, we disidentify from what we perceive as the opposite. So we kind of wall that off another aspect of shadow creation, right? So from I'm a singer to I'm not a singer, from I'm a good person to I'm not a bad person, right? I am gentle, therefore I cannot be strong. And all of this is coming out of learned experience and acculturated messages. So it happens very, very early. And a lot of times we have no clue all of the steps of the binary split, the value judgment, and the identification or disidentification. Those are kind of the steps that are involved. And they're rarely conscious on the first ride through. So we make them conscious as we go. 
Premise number three, the wholeness dance. Here's how we do this. Here's how we make it conscious and why. We start life as humans in a state of unconscious wholeness, of mergedness, right? We are one with the body of our mother and then we rely on the body of our mother for nourishment. We are totally merged and fundamentally powerless. In order to find our power, we must find our boundaries. That's where that first binary of me, not me comes in. You see a little baby figuring out like, oh, oh, this is me? Oh, oh, that's, that's not me. Oops, oh, that hurt you. Oh, but it didn't hurt me. Now I see. We watch that whole process happening. And that process doesn't end just because we have a bit more conscious identity, a little more structure and stability apparent structure and stability to who we are. We remain fluid. We remain in that state of discovery. But as we grow and develop, we open up more space for the holding of bothness. It's sort of a not word word, but I like it. <laughs> so we open up to the space that can now hold both sides of that apparent binary, that apparent split. There's room now. And what happens next is that those bits of shadow, you can think of, uh, you can think of them knocking on the cellar door, right? Hello, I noticed you have a seat at the table now. I would love to step into that seat. You're ready. So we move from full unconscious merging into differentiation and separation, awareness of binary. And then we can move through that toward consciously claimed wholeness. We open up more space, we get a bigger definition of ourselves as we grow and develop. So far so good? Cool. All right, premise number four, and this is the juicy one. I mean, I guess they're all juicy, but this one is what we're gonna work with. What we reject, we project. That is a beautiful rhyme, and I did not make it up. I don't actually know to whom to attribute it because it's kind of out there, but oh, I love it. So thank you, whoever first coined that. What we reject, we project. Going back to our ideas of binary, if something is invisible inside of us, how do we think it becomes visible outside of us, right? So as growth opens up this new inner space and the aspects of the shadow want to fill it and ask to be claimed, the way they do this is by showing up in, again, air quotes, other people. <laughs> and whenever a person or a situation creates a really strong emotional reaction within you, I'm not gonna say that that is absolutely shadow stuff. Um, I want us to all feel empowered to recognize other people's behaviors and continue to hold those boundaries that we've built for good and healthy reasons, me versus not me. And at the same time, I think it is well worth considering that when we get one of those big emotional rubs, whether positive or negative, 
whether we fall in love or whether we get in a big fight or just some jerk cuts us off or what have you. Anytime we're calling names, be they nice names or not so nice names, that's a great sign to explore. Hmm, what does this have to do with me? What might I not see in me that I am being given the opportunity to work differently with? Noticing especially reactions that involve an emotional experience of shame. I am bad. Noticing emotional reactions that involve an experience of blame. You are bad. And noticing sneaky little words. There's two of them in particular that I want us to catch. Buts and shoulds. Buts and shoulds often open the door to some unconscious expectations. I'd like to, but, oh, we just notice a little shadow invitation. Or you shouldn't have done that. Boop, shadow invitation. So those are four little places to, to check in. Shame, blame, buts, and shoulds. So here's our big, old, funky, super premise. This is the last point of our points. What we have rejected from consciousness can be reclaimed through consciousness. Now, we come back to our practice. We come back to our lists. So those are the premises on which we build this. We've got these lists now. Look back at your list. You may have known what I was up to do when I led you through this in the first place, but let's look at it again. Check those words out. Check out both sides. Hmm. Maybe this isn't about them. We let them leave the room. The words remain. So, notice where you identify with those words that are on your list. That feels like me, or that does not feel like me. I am not like that. Both are super useful and super valid. So pay attention to that. And then pay attention also to the value judgment that you attach to this quality. Do I see it as good? Do I see it as bad? Because remember, there are things in our unconscious in our shadow that we see as good but don't believe we are worthy of, don't recognize our right to be, to have, to hold. And there are things in our shadow that we believe we are above, that we have transcended, that we couldn't possibly. So we want to look at these words and consider first and foremost our level of identification. Is this me? Is this not me? And our level of judgment. Is this a good thing about me? Is this a bad thing about me? That is step one of working with the lists. So taking that list and writing before each word, I am, and plug in your word. Read that courageously, and then notice 
oh, I feel really identified with this statement and it feels great. Cool, you've claimed it, that's awesome. Oh, I really do not see or feel okay with this being a part of me in any way. You've got some work to do with this, awesome. <laughs> so we're noticing identification and value judgment. And what I've been doing, um, because I am just like this, <laughs> I started early this year, I had reached a point where I was having a really hard time in a relationship and I was noticing myself really, really putting this hard time on this person, constantly trying to figure out what they were doing that was wrong, why it was wrong, um, or alternately, still stuck in the place of blaming, what have I been doing? Maybe it's my fault, maybe they're doing this because of something in me, but still trying to crack the code of blame and making wrong. And I reached a point where I was absolutely exhausted and I needed a different strategy. And that is how I came up with this. I sat down with my journal and I just let this person have it in my private space. I let it rip. Uncensored, not cool, would never want anyone to see that page in my journal. <laughs> but I'm so glad that I did it because I then went back and I looked at each of the names that I called, each of the labels that I put on this person. And I pulled out some index cards and I just started writing, I am blank, I am blank, I am blank. And figuring out how I am that. So these are some questions that I encourage you to continue to ask as you, as you sit with the cards. That may be enough just to look at the word, have that little affirmation and sit with it, say it until you can be at peace with it, until you can relax some of the identification and some of the judgment. All you have to do to bring something out of the shadow is shine a light on it. You don't have to love it. You don't have to like be it and choose it all the time. We're trying to get off the binary. So to just leap full hog into the other side of it is another little tricky space. We don't have to just flip the, flip the script and jump to the other side. That's still on the seesaw. Remember, you wanna see the playground. So, all we have to do is shine that light. And if we want to look a little deeper, here are some questions that I have found helpful. In what ways is this statement true of me? Not, is this statement true of me? Yes and no is a binary. How is this statement true of me? In what ways is this statement not always true of me. And these apply equally to things that you're identified with or disidentified from. In what ways is this quality good and positively useful? 
in what ways is this quality bad, destructive, or limiting? So again, we're moving onto that sliding scale and off of the seesaw. After we've sat with this, we ask, can I claim this quality authentically as part of myself now? Be truthful here. There is no doing it wrong. If you consciously choose that something is not for you, that's okay. That's not like anti-shadow or super limited of you. You've made a conscious choice. What we're talking about is moving from unconscious to introduce consciousness. So you're not obliged to sit in and live with and be things that you don't want to. I want to be very clear about that. We are simply bringing into more consciousness, more wholeness, more options for our conscious mind to choose from which actually gives that choice more value. So if we can authentically claim this quality as part of our, our self now, great, good. Say it one more time out loud, make it yours. And I like to try to find one small action that I can do that day that affirms that in my life. So something that I've worked with is I am fearless. I do not feel that way, <laughs> but I've had to work with it um, and open that option up to me. So I might do something brave and that's brave to me, which might mean sending an email to someone that I've hurt in the past, right? So you get to define these terms and your unconscious and conscious get to play together in that process. So that active ritual, I find really, really special for bringing that unconsciousness fully into the embrace of your embodied experience. Now, what if we can't? What if we just can't claim this quality as an authentic part of ourself right now? What if that's just not something we're open to? That's okay. Again, shining the light of consciousness on it already brings it into a a space of more access and a space of more wholeness. If you want to continue to work with it, there are two steps that I like to add that have been helpful for me. So one is to identify the opposite, right? We've talked about this, this binary dynamic. Bring the other side into more consciousness. That will allow you to soften. Now we can see, might not be able to see the whole playground yet, but we can see the whole seesaw, right? We're getting off of it a little bit because we're noticing the other side. So identify the opposite, make a card for that as well. It may be that you're super identified with the opposite side of the binary and that's part of the block, right? And then the next step is, if you've got through all of that and you're still struggling with it, see if you can find a third word 
See if you can find a new word that is neither good nor bad, right? A word that has less value judgment attached to it. A word that has less of a clear opposite for you. See if you can work with that. So that's the gist of it. Pretty simple and also pretty gigantic and earth shattering and super duper hard and worth it, <laughs> in my opinion and in my experience. So just to recap what I've got so far and then we've got some good time for questions and I, I saw some pop up in the chat. I haven't been able to super attend to it, but I, I know Kirsten's got it and we'll come back to those things. So. Next time we fall madly in love or get really cheesed off, we can welcome this as an opportunity to hear our shadow invitation. We can say thank you without condoning toxic behavior, without identifying, excusing, ignoring, or bypassing consequence and outer work as well. We can still Hold the space for all of that and say thank you. We don't have to make them right to make this useful. Notice what you see out there, supposedly out there, what seems to be creating this strong response in you and try it on. Say, I am that. And notice how that feels for you. Name the opposite. Try that on too. Break your judgments by finding the good potential and the bad qualities. And the bad potential and the good qualities. Begin to break them out of their bubbles and put them back on that, that continuum. And work with these statements both the, the inner gold, the positive shadow, things that you strive and want to be, and the swamp of shame, <laughs> the toxic parts that you are afraid to be. That's an important phrasing. What am I afraid to be? And why? How can I trust myself more than that? Can you work with these until they no longer elicit that supercharged response, until they become simply qualities that are part of experience, that are available to all of us at all times, and that are a choice that you can now make consciously? You may choose the same choice that you made before that. And you'll be less upset and less locked in when someone makes a different choice. That's what I have for you so far. Okay. That's what we got. What's next? What kind of questions do we have? We had a good question in the chat from Carrie. Uh, and Carrie asked, how do I work with evil, bad intentioned and hateful as the words and identifiers? So 
I'm sure other people had this experience when you were making your list and it was like, there were some words on there that you're like, I don't, I, I don't want to ever be that. And there's a, a level of resistance that we come into. I wonder if you can speak to that and give us some tools to uh, rectify that uh, resistance in our minds. Yeah. Yeah. So what I think we want to do there is I'll say starting with go back to the person and look deeper, right? Because those words, what's so challenging about them is that they are extremely locked in judgment. There is no space for curiosity. And that's a really hard wall to come up against. So, and that's not to say that those things don't exist in the world, that they're not true or that you've gotten it wrong somehow. But if you can't work with it, go back and see what you can work with, right? And also follow the exact same practice. Look at the flip side, do your opposites, right? So if the, what will we say is a good opposite of evil? Give me one, you've got one. Good, great, yes. And evil is like super bad, so I think we wanna even amplify that good into like noble or perfect. Right. Oh, now if we look at that side of it, that level of charge is letting us know that we are hyper identified with the other side. Maybe start working with the other side first. How am I good? How am I very good? How am I noble? How am I righteous? And how am I not? Start to bring it back into that middle space. Start to slide the dial. I'm reading a question in the chat. It says, I have found this to be a difficult practice when empathizing with people as we discuss and debate the Black Lives Matter movement and trans rights. Do I try to find the ways where I am prejudiced? How do I go into the world with that? Like you mentioned with fearless. fearless. I think you absolutely find the ways in which you are prejudiced. I think that is very important work and I don't know the identity of this, this person who asked the question, um, but on any side of the coin, particularly if you're aligned with power holders, I think it's definitely important to do as a white woman, this is super important for me, I'll say, um, but I think it's important for all of us because again, premise number one, we are all made of the same human stuff. So yes, find and honor the ways that you hold prejudice. Get honest, get radically effing honest with yourself. And 
if you dare, if you are brave enough, look at the ways that that has value, right? Biologically, evolutionarily, we have been trained to recognize, we are evolved to recognize difference as scary. That has helped us survive. And yet, we are not there now. And so we have to work with that lizard brain, that little baby, babe brain that thinks we are in danger of being eaten. <laughs> and we have to hold it. Say, oh, I see you. And that's not how we want to live at this point. I get it. It's not the whole truth. So come along with me, little prejudice feeling, and let's explore something else. As long as you lock it down, chain it up, put it in the cellar, put it in the basement, it is going to be empowered to come after you and to show up out there. I think an important um, idea, those of us who are super conscious of, of the words that we use, um, of the power of language, the power of affirmation, many of us get actually trapped in a fear cycle that doesn't allow us to acknowledge anything that we don't love doesn't allow us to acknowledge anything that we don't want because we're afraid we're going to manifest it, <laughs> right? So is this hidden for anybody? Yeah. So the question that I sort of anticipated and I think is feeling here, um, will I, if I affirm this, will I manifest it? Will I be it? I'm scared of that, right? The answer is no. The answer is we don't just manifest every single thing that we say, every single thought that we have one time, whoops, there it is. Because wow, if that was the case, I would have a really, really cool mansion and all kinds of tight shit that I do not have. <laughs> so, you know, manifesting, does come with being, we want to be aware of our language because we want to be aware in particular of our habitual language. And manifesting happens from the unity of conscious and unconscious. This is another thing to be aware of. We can try this on in our experience. If I say consciously, I have a million dollars and unconsciously I say, I do not have a million dollars. I cannot have a million dollars. Money makes people bad or wrong or evil. Am I going to wind up with a million dollars? Probably not. Because I have this cross current. I have this stream that cancels out, right? So it is more likely that you will manifest something that you are terrified to claim or be because you are empowering it with that fear. It is actually a deeply empowering choice that brings your consciousness and unconsciousness together to acknowledge, I could be that, and I choose this.
Yes, yes, Carrie. So my, we hear my words of evil, bad intention, and hateful were about a politician. I wonder who. <laughs> and when I delved further into it, those words feel more towards a collective of shadowy lawmakers, not any one individual. Yes. Yeah, great. Maybe about the ways that we see power, right? The ways that we disidentify from power. So we're just wanting to break all of these things apart. We want to separate, again, these core ideas, separating out the identification and the value judgment, taking those things apart in the move of the wholeness dance so that we can put it back together in a way that is more aligned with what we value, with what we strive to be and that is driven more from love and positive desire than from fear and not wanting. I think we have time for a few more questions. Are those, do those questions feel answered? That feels good. To the, to the degree that they can be, ultimately you'll answer them. Yeah, yeah. Hi. Hi. Thank you for your talk this morning. Um, so my question is about kind of the why, and I'm wondering if that feels important to you when you do this work. So my most common discovery is that I feel if, if I were that way with whoever it is, I would not have friends. I would not be loved. I would not have a job. I would, all these things come up. Like I could never be that way and still function or exist or get what I need. Right. So we're locating the fear, right. And the fear of absence of love there. So my question is like, you know, I'm curious about other ways that anybody else experiences that or that you've heard of, or, you know, cause it feels like there has to be some other sort of why or other expressions or experiences of that why and then you know like how do you how do you work with whatever that why is and like kind of build build more like beyond the identification practice or do you feel as though it's it kind of just works itself yes i would love to speak to that that's a great question and i do want to make sure that i am catching it correctly um, so what I feel like I'm hearing is that I, I feel like the question is to what degree and in what ways is it important for us to understand why we hold the identifications and the value judgments that we do hold? Is that the question? Great. I think that's a matter of degree. I think it's up to you. Um, and what I love about where we don't have to do that, and believe me, I do that that work in a in a whole other practice of a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of therapy and journaling. <laughs> so what I love about this simplicity of this work is that so many times that why is on the shame blame dynamic 
as opposed to the name claim, right? So many times when we're looking for a why, we're looking for whose fault it is. Who did this to me? Who put that in me? How dare they? That was wrong. Oh, what does that feel like? Blame. So it's not to say that there is no value in the why. There's absolutely value in the why. And yet for this practice, that tends to keep us locked in the conscious identifications and judgments. It's very valuable to understand it. And it's also not necessary for this bold, simple practice. reading a comment here that says, I wanted to add that your challenge to go back to the words or attributes we struggle to identify with. Like if you name or call someone angry or rage-filled and you go back, dig further, what you and you discover what you have mislabeled as rage might actually be fear or deep hurt masquerading as anger or rage. Yes, yes, that's great. That is very true. I'm glad that feels useful. You can always go back and reconsider the words, if we find them really impossible, maybe they're not the, the whole truth. Maybe they're not that useful to us. And that's okay. I have a question to sort of um, piggyback off of what Georgie said. Um, one of the things that came up for me as I was doing the I am that I am not that is that there was this uh, intermediary space that I was landing with a few of them. And the phrase that kept coming to mind was, <clears throat> I fear that. Mm. So I'm curious if you can help me sort of make the, the leap. I mean, I've moved out of binary because there are more variables at play, um, but they don't exactly feel um, liberating because they're definitely based in some fear and judgment. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful and vulnerable. And thank you. I, I love what you've said here. I fear that makes me wonder how you can sit with, work with that quality and find something to love in it so that you're not dealing with the with only the fear side of things. I can give an example of a word in, in my little deck that I made in my apartment and have been working with. I hated when this one came up. I had been projecting entitlement onto someone very close to me. And I sat down one day with my deck and I think I'd had like a good few days of like really positive shadow qualities and I was like feeling myself. And up came, I am entitled. And I was so upset. I was like, no, I'm not. Nuh-uh. How am I entitled? I don't even, I don't even take up space in the world. I'm scared to take up space. I'm entitled. Come on. And I sat with it and I asked the question again, not am I this or am I that? How am I this? And not, is this good or is this bad? But 
how is this good? How is this bad? And after some substantial sitting with, what I came to, the way I found access to this within myself is that I am entitled as a human being to take up the space that I take up as is every other human being. That's something I believe. I am entitled to fair and ideally kind treatment. I am entitled to believe what I believe. I am entitled to make my own choices. All of these things were healthy entitlements that were deeply connected to that reaction that I had of, ah, how can I ever be entitled? I'm not, I'm not, I don't take any space at all. Let me shrink, let me be small, let me make you happy. And I noticed that by my fear of entitlement, I was actually shutting down something healthy, adaptive, and mature in myself. My fear of being entitled was actually causing me to show up needy, to show up as a victim, to be sitting and sitting in these unmet needs, not feeling like it was fair of me to have those needs. Shut it down, shut it down. When I began to work with the card, I am entitled. I said, oh, to what am I entitled? How, how can that be without hurting anyone else? Where's the good in this supposed bad? Where's the bad in this supposed good? What is the degree to which this is useful, positive, creative, connecting? And what is the degree to which this is harmful, hurtful, fearful, or creates an illusion of separation? Because I'm on that wholeness dance. That's where I'm trying to be. All right, I have another question here. What's the best way to work through those blind spots we are working on in that in-depth shadow work, especially when it's a practice we go to and revisit often? I say trust your experience. Trust what comes up. Your emotions are your signal. Your emotions are your messenger. Your body will let you know. Make sure that you... As you go deeper and deeper, we find things that are more and more charged, right? So make sure you create a safe container for it. And this isn't something we need to get, you know, addicted to, right? There's times when we need it. There's times when it's, we really want to work with consciousness. We don't want to, again, get in this binary where we only work with our shadows. I only dig into the shadows. The light has no meaning for me. I see it. I don't know. I don't need it to know anything. I've got it figured out. Hmm. Let's question that. Let's work with what we do know. Let's work with what we are aware of. If those things are no longer coming up or activating for you, the practice will call you back when you're ready, when you need it. We're just opening that little cellar door. We're not marching in there and 
grabbing little qualities and feelings. They're like, ah, I'm not ready. And you're like, you're coming with me. No, it's not a roundup. <laughs> We're just opening the door to some guests, making them welcome. I think that has us, yeah? What a wonderful hour. Thank you guys for such engaged and accountable and curious questions. I think that's beautiful. Um, really, really appreciate sharing this space with you. And Rebecca, how can people connect with you further if they want to uh, work with you either for tarot readings or to continue to do some of this depth work? Yeah, so you can connect with me. Instagram is probably the best way. I am a little bit of an old lady at the moment and like, it's not super polished. It's not, uh, it's just me <laughs> being a person there, but that is a valid way to find me. And that is at Becca Suella, B-E-K-A-H-S-U-E-L-L-A-U. As I continue to develop some new curriculum and some new opportunities, that's where they'll show up first. So definitely connect with me on there. You can DM me. Um, I'm bookable through Modern Mystic Shop, so modernmystictarot.com. Um, in fact, I'm about to clock in, so uh, you can book me today until four if you want. And that is today, June 28th, uh, for the people in the future. But Sundays are generally good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that's kind of it for now. Working awesome. on getting that, that beautiful website hub. And again, as soon as I do, I'll put it on the gram. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Rebecca. And thank you, everyone who was here today. Um, please keep joining us if you enjoyed class today. We won't have class next Sunday. We are on every other Sunday schedule just to help combat some of the Zoom fatigue that I know we are all experiencing. Um, so we won't be here next Sunday, but our next class is on July 12th. It is with Courtney McWain, who's going to talk to us about how to use our intuition to move through transition states in times of crisis, which feels really appropriate given the world that we are living in right now. Um, so please join us on July 12th. Uh, we are releasing podcasts every Sunday, though, um, with uh, lots of different content, some one-to-one -one interviews with mainstream mystics like Biddy Tarot, um, some really great stuff on there. So check that out. Uh, thank you so much, Rebecca, for being here. You did a beautiful job of merging together um, spirituality and then this really help, helpful therapeutic processing and psychology. So thank you so much. This is great content that you're working on. Um, so thank you for sharing with us. Thank you, everyone, for being here. I uh, hope you take care of yourselves today uh, and have a blessed, blessed Sunday. This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.